of your imagination. You burst through the door, you find a small room filled with golden jewels. And a red dragon. Products of your imagination. And a red dragon. And a red dragon. You start to Say or die! Raise them up, raise, raise them up. Zombies all around me, I'll be hacking them all up. Products of your imagination. Welcome to the Save or Die Podcast, a podcast about classical Dungeons and Dragons. If it's in a box, we'll talk about it. Save or Die Adventure 56. We are doing an email show this time around, so we're answering your burning questions. Or emailing questions, or however that works out. Wahoo. Wahoo. And with me is DM Glenn. And we got, I got the mailbag right here. And DM Liz. Hello, hello. DM Crispy fell down the steps, so we're waiting for him. He'll, he, he may not be able to make it up the stairs for the show, but mm-hmm. hopefully That's he'll right. be here for the next one. That's right. And uh, what do we got, Mike? Well, we have emails, 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 but before we get to them, yes. we have another submission for basic impressions. Wonders that defy my powers of description, the secrets that are mine alone, but which I would be willing to share with you. To do then now would be retro. To do then then yeah. was very nautro. Yeah, if you will. It's coming. What? The idea, the spark. I got it, I got it. Basic impressions. Playing off our episode on the wrap-up of the North Texas RPG Con, Shannon has sent in a review of a similar con up in Canada called OSR Con, right? And we'll let you hear that right now. Hi, this is Vanguard Crackhammer, and I'm just making a quick report on the OSR Con old-school RPG mini-con that occurred during the 10th and 11th of August this summer in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And specifically, it takes place at the Lillian H. Smith Library in downtown Toronto. Uh, The Lillian H. Smith Library is notable because it houses the uh, science fiction and fantasy collection of the Toronto Public Library. And it's a a beautiful building with a a beautiful room downstairs for uh, the the convention. Um, the OSR con is a very small con. I would say there was probably about 50 to 60 people there. And it's um, created, the, the man who runs it this year, organizes it, is Chris Cunnington. And the the con focuses in on old school games. Uh, specifically games like Basic and Expert uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Tunnels and Trolls, was played, Boot Hill was played this weekend, um, RuneQuest was played, there was also Call of Cthulhu, I believe. Um, the interesting thing about Con is that it's a very uh, small con, and so uh, the guests of honor that showed up, that were invited, one was Ken St. Andre, the inventor uh, and creator of Tunnels and Trolls, and Ed Greenwood, uh, a TSR writer and creator of The Forgotten Realms, I believe. Um, James 
Malazuski from Grognardia was there as well. And uh, there was also a gentleman, Lawrence Whitaker, and he is the uh, current rights holder, but also a writer for RuneQuest. And these gentlemen were there, and they actually, on the second day, held a panel um, and talked about how they got into gaming and their thoughts about the OSR and just anything that came to mind. People, we had lots of, because it's such a small con, lots of opportunity to ask questions and have discussions. The interesting thing, too, is that these gentlemen also run uh, games there. Uh, Ed Greenwood ran his uh, second edition AD&D game. Uh, Ken St. Andre ran some Tunnels and Trolls, and in fact, I think he played in uh, James Malazuski's um, Dwimmer Mount campaign, which I believe is a, a basic expert Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, Lawrence Whitaker ran RuneQuest, and uh, overall the games were excellent. Uh, I took part in a Labyrinth Lord game, and it was excellent. It was well run. Um, I also played Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the G1, the Steading of the Hill Giant Chief. And it was run by a gentleman named Chris Kobold. That's his real name. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, and then I played with a, uh, in another game just a, a homebrew sort of campaign uh, of basic Dungeons & Dragons, and it was a lot of fun. Anyway, if anybody's in the, in the neighborhood next year in the summer, it's two days of good gaming, and it's inexpensive. I, th- I think it was $25 for the whole weekend. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. Uh, maybe the weekends may be changing next year, and the venue may be changing. Um, I know um, you, the Ryerson University, their their gaming group may be helping out, and so the venue may change to Ryerson University, and the dates may change a bit. But if you want, check out osrcon.ca um, for this year's schedule, and I believe the um, I'm just looking for the uh, yes osrcon.wordpress.com is the blog that Chris Cunnington has created uh, to keep people sort of on top of what's happening so I strongly recommend it uh, we have people from New York and Pennsylvania there so uh, please come up to Canada and uh, and play games with us thanks folks and uh, so this is Vanguard Crackhammer Uh, signing off. I'm glad to hear that more cons like that are starting to pop up. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Shannon, for that, uh, for that little uh, report. Yeah. Appreciate that. I've I've been hearing about that through like, you know, other blogs like James Mislavsky's and Greg Nardia Mm -hmm. and such. And they get some nice guests and some really good gaming up there. I saw, I see Ed Greenwood goes there a lot. Yeah, I was, I was surprised to see, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised to see him there since from, even despite everything, I hear he still runs 2E as his home game. Oh, yeah. But uh, that was an interesting surprise. Okay. Now, if we can just get Roger Moore to one of these. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. oh, that, like... oh, that Roger Moore. Sorry. No, no, not 007. <laughs> <laughs> that would really although, be something. <laughs> I was going to say, although that would be cool, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember the first Dragon ma- magazine that had an article in there written by him, I I saw Roger Moore and I thought, no.
No, it couldn't. No, could it? No. I was only nine. What do you want? Oh yeah. So are we ready for some emails? I think we're ready for some emails. Okay, let me let me pull one out of the bag here and uh, give it to Liz. There you go. It's a very quick sound email. effects brought to you by DM Glenn. <laughs> But All right. But well, you need a sound effect. Don't forget DM Glenn. Sorry. DM Glenn. Yeah. Our first email is from Rust. And Rust writes, Hello, Save or Die, and fellow listeners. Been listening to quite a few podcasts other than those that are listed on the OSR recently. <gasps> Coming to the conclusion. Are you done? Yeah. Are I you? Think so. Are you? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Just a bit of shock there. Yeah. Why would anyone listen to a podcast other than WGP? I don't know, but I'm sure Rust had his reasons. In any case, he continues, coming to the conclusion that quite a few are of low quality or imagination. Ah, okay. But, but mostly, I have decided that the argument of magic users do more damage than warriors is getting old and usually one-sided. Well, almost always one-sided. Too many ifs are left out, i.e., if he has that spell, if he's able to cast it, spell components, actually hitting the target. Could go on and on, but it's not going to help, really. Because of the fact that the person that usually brings up this point has never played a mage that will not touch <laughs> spells that, that do damage. Yes, you heard that right. A non-lethal magic user can be played and can be a lot of fun. The idea of damage being the only thing important is just simple-minded. Consider the following wisdom. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. From Sun Tzu's The Art of War. I have always considered the story more interesting than how high of a damage score I can get. Anywho, keep up the good work. Thank you, Rust, a non-lethal magic user. It's called a cleric. <laughs> not not well, I don't necessarily. Know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know of anybody off the cuff who's actually run a completely non, um, non-lethal wizard. That is rarity, but, I know. But I have seen you know, a lot of non-damage-doing spells used in proper situations that can really do a lot of help, a lot of good things. Mm. Now, especially if you use cantrips mm. and you can use the noise making cantrips or other ones that cause certain involuntary reactions in the target, you know, all kinds of things that can really turn the tide of a battle. Right. Or as an example, it's 1E, but it still kind of applies over. Um, I know somebody who was running a magic user when the party was caught in a tomb, tripped a um, pressure plate, mm-hmm. which caused a granite block to fall down over the doorway. Well, the trap was basically water pressure, mm-hmm. and the granite block would rise eventually in like a month. The person using the magic user had them pour a little bit of oil down in the pressure plate, light it, and then used effect normal fires to increase it to a boil, thus causing the pressure to increase faster and cause the the granite block to shoot up 
within just about an hour. Wow, that's now, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a perfect perfect use of a spell that's not in and of itself damage-causing, right. but is darn useful. Right. And I'm not just saying this because the person who played that magic user is sitting here tonight. Who could that be? Glenn? You never told me that. I, I'm looking. I'm the only one in this room. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're the voices in your head, Glenn. Thank you. This isn't a podcast. This is my dream. Oh. <laughs> These three people were talking to me. Sorry. Glenn's world. Glenn's world. (laughs) Excellent. Anyway. It was Liz. Anyway. I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. But no, Rust is right. There are plenty of spells, and in fact, that's one of the things I like about classic D&D, is that when you're a magic user or a cleric, choosing your spells is part of the strategy. That's right. It's part of the what they call resource management. Yeah, not just, okay, what have I got that can lay out the most damage? Yeah. Uh, I'm finding out in my basic game that I only got like two first and two second level spells. Um, I'm always going to have web. Always. That has come in so handy. Web is a good one. Yes, and it's non-lethal. Mm-hmm. It's great. But well, you, unless you set fire to the web. Yeah, I was going to say, it could be lethal. <laughs> but no, in and of itself, it is not lethal. No. I mean, we walked it, we walked it, we were like, I may have said this before, we, we were going through this dungeon, and we were like beat to, to hearing gone for hit points and stuff for the last few battles. We opened a door, there was a squad of, there was a, a barracks in there with about five, five uh, knolls. And uh, we just, I just walked up the front, and I, I took my elf went, Web, closed, lit a torch, threw it in, closed the door, waited a few minutes. <laughs> it's Cook so, until, bake until ready. Yes. And we just moved on. So, <laughs> very handy, very handy. So was your DM grumpy? No, no. Okay. No. He, he, he understood. It's like, okay, yeah, right. It smells yeah. terrible, but <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's using strategy. That is, and I think it was just out of frustration and, and just fatigue. Oh God, Web! <laughs> but thanks for the comments, Rust, and I can agree that gets to be a very old question. So maybe we should replace it with de- demi-human level limits. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> or should paladins have to be lawful? Oh no, dear, yeah. no, no. <laughs> Well, that was Rust. Rust never sleeps. uh, Okay, the next one, mine. I get to read it. And it's from uh, our gentleman who just uh, sent us the uh, basic impressions uh, MP3. Um, Shannon? Shannon. Cool. Ah, Angry Monk. Yes, as the Angry Monk. Now, I'm not going to read the first paragraph because basically it's rehashing what he already said about the... uh, uh, Ontario, the Minicon in Ontario. Although I did know they had people like Ken St. Andre there. I'd love to ask him about Percent Liar. Percent Liar? <laughs> yeah, um, that was a typo in the original Brown Book D&D. It was supposed to say Percent Lair for Percented Lair, but it came out Percent Liar. You mean Tunnels and Trolls? No, I'm, I'm getting to that. No, that oh, was in the original Brown Book D&D. Oh, okay. So when Tunnels and Trolls came out... Uh-huh. It had a category in there, percent liar. 
So I'd love to ask him about that. You uh, know, it's like, what, did did you just like not catch it, or was this your way of kind of giving a a chuckle to the to the typo? You know. <laughs> Anyway, um, he goes on, and I'll, I'll even give out the, the website. It's www.osrcon.ca and osrcon.wordpress.com. But in the second paragraph, he says, I have a suggestion for the show. At the Minicon, I played a game of Labyrinth Lore, and the GM used a rule called Shields Shall Be Splintered. Briefly, shields not only improve your AC by one, but if a character was successfully attacked and would incur damage that would kill them, the player would, could choose to have the character's shield, if so equipped, absorb the entire brunt of the attack, and thereby be destroyed or splintered. The character's AC would increase by one afterwards, of course, obviously, but the rule made shields much more valuable. I thought this was a neat house rule. My suggestion for the show is that perhaps each week the DM could discuss a house rule that they have used in their games, the effect it had on play, and whether it would continue, he would continue to use it. Perhaps listeners could submit their own house rules for your opinion. I know DM Mike has already mentioned some of his house rules, cantrips for magic users, etc., but I would love to hear more. Thanks, folks. The Angry Month, Shannon Ferguson. The angry monk, Shannon Ferguson. Thank you, Shannon. No, I'm totally by the book. I never use a house rule. Oh, never. Uh Ever. Ever. Yes, and we all believe you, too. (laughs) And he's saying this over the corpses of Liz's characters. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually that um, you were originally talking, remember when we were coming up with the ideas for base compressions, you came up with the idea of my game, my rules? Yeah. That might make a good name for that segment. I think I, I okay. Uh, another bumper coming up. Okay, sure. <laughs> well, I guess it would depend on how many how. Well, if we're letting other our listeners send in their house rules, we could always have why you know not? stuff in there. Why not? I say. I say. Why not? And I got plenty of house rules that I don't use anymore because they sounded good at the time, but then in play, you're like. What the heck? So, so folks, saverdietpodcast at gmail.com, send us your house rules. We'll pick one out. I'll tell you what. We'll pick one out every episode, read it, and talk about it for a bit. How about that? If we don't use our own, yeah. Yeah, if we don't have We'll alternate. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Uh, that's cool. The Shield Shall Be Splinter thing, I think I've heard of that before. Yeah, he posted that on OSR Gaming, uh, and I commented about it. Yeah, on... Just off the cuff, it sounds pretty reasonable. Uh-huh. Um, I might wonder, maybe it's just me being nitpicky, but it's like, well, if that one hit point, if the if what was needed to kill you was either one hit point and it destroys your shield, or 20 hit points and it destroys your shield, y- y- you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the other hand, it is classic, which we're trying to keep simple. Yeah. What do you think, Liz? Well, when I heard that, the first thing I thought of is it seems like a variant on other games using, you know, their fate points or victory points or whatever, you know, where you can use that point in play to save yourself from something horrid. And Mm -hmm. in a lot of games, that does seem to work fairly well, and... Unlike that, you've only got one shield, so you can only really use it once until you have an opportunity to go to a town and buy another one. That's what I was going to say, yes. It kind of 
shortchanges thieves and magic users, though, doesn't it? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm see, I'm all for stuff like hero points. Well, no, I mean, say, neither one of them can get a shield, is what I mean. I know, that's well, why I'm... There is the shield spell for magic users. Perhaps you could use that in the same way, but after it absorbs that one, what would have been the fatal blow, the spell disintegrates, even if it would have normally stayed in play. That's a good point. Now, yeah. here's, here's something that just occurred to me. Uh, does something like this, a mechanic like this, does that kind of lessen the importance of like saving throws which is basically the same thing that is your mm. one right there as far as I'm concerned maybe I guess it depends on how you're taking the damage if you were taking the damage say from a magic spell or something uh-huh. yeah you're basically double dipping with saving throws on the other hand you don't get a save versus sword yeah well or I, I or would something. I would do it I would do it it has to be like a physical Attack, not something like a so, charm or so. I mean, even I mean, even to me, a fireball is a physical attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could certain spells will affect it, but I'm saying make it really limited like that. You know, you got a you got a shield, cool. You can do this. You don't got a shield, you got saving throws. Oh, so it's either or. Well, no, no, it's not either or. It's just the guy with the shield has a little extra thing, but it's only versus certain types of attacks. Yeah. I, I could see that. You know, uh, I'd gimp it that way. Yeah, I think I could go with that. I already have a system I use, oh, yeah. which is basically, since I don't give, like, double or triple damage for a nat 20, uh-huh. what I do instead is if you're fighting some something with armor or it's fighting you and they get a nat 20, your armor is considered damaged and it goes down one rank ah, okay. until you go get it repaired. Unless you sacrifice a shield, in which case the shield's destroyed, but your armor doesn't need repairing. There you go. I um, mean, but it's similar, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I glad if I was in a fight and they were using that rules, I gladly sacrifice that point of armor class. Right. Just yeah. To stay alive. You know? To stay alive, yeah. Sacrifice that shield, you bet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, okay, I go up. It's a good roll. Yeah. And it's a good way to get the DM to force the player to spend more of their gold later on to buy a new shield, fix their armor, whatever. Exactly. Of course, I don't. Of course, the guys I play with is more like, oh, I'm not negative one anymore. I'm just zero. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, not... there are some guys like that. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a shame when you have guys like that. <laughs> good one, good one, Liz. <laughs> next, just for that, read the next email. Oh, just for that. Yeah. Just okay. for that. Here you go. All right. Our next email is from Montana Squires. Montana. You. And he writes, "Hey, Sodcasters, it's your friend Montana." I had a blast hanging out with you at the NTRPG Con. Is this the guy, wait, is this the guy who played Marvel with us? The Invisible Fist. Yes! Yes! yes. The guy who throws guns and kills people. I love it. Well, it was Scorpion. It wasn't like it was people. <laughs> it went right through his head. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, well. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> he writes, I really appreciated your conversation regarding simple magical items. I've taken the idea of weapons with only pluses to um, not necessarily being magic and introduced it into my current game of swords and wizardry. 
It really helps with giving the party a bit of a power boost without making for a high magic or Monty Hall game. Although it is needed that I give magical items extra powers or quirks to make them comparable to these masterwork items. Mm-hmm. Also, you asked for how I use more interesting, simple magic weapons. Here are some of my own. The TARDIS Spear, and that's T-A-R-T-U-S, not TARDIS, I know many people might think that because of my Doctor Who fixation, but it's not. (laughs) I thought it was a charter. Uh, Go ahead. Sad when it happens to someone you know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when thrown and on a successful hit, two more spears come flying to make additional attacks against the target and then returns to hand. Acts as a plus one spear without a bonus to hit or damage. Mm -hmm. Um, The next one he mentions... Wait a minute, if it's a plus one... Oh, I guess for creatures that can only be hit with plus one items. Exactly. Um, The frost blade. This short sword is plus one and a deep blue color. Three times per day, the sword becomes plus three to hit, and if the opponent fails a save versus magic, the target is paralyzed for D6 rounds. When exposed to a white dragon tear, the sword becomes a frost brand and retains its ability to paralyze three times per day. Hmm, cool. And now, and that kind of has a built-in little questlet. Yeah. yeah. Gotta, gotta go make a white dragon cry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll make him cry, all right. <laughs> the next sword is the Lawbringer, a plus one slash plus two sword. Can turn undead three times per day as a fifth level cleric Ooh. and cast Cure Light Wounds once per day can only be wielded by lawful characters, including clerics. Okay. They see that I like that because in and of itself it's only got a plus one slash plus two, but it's got other bennies. Uh-huh. And it's an interesting you know, thing that a cleric could also use it, even though they ordinarily cannot use edged weapons. But uh-huh. they would be able to use this one. No. Yeah. So I'd probably tweak it a bit in my campaign to make it a bit more God-specific. But, yeah, I mean, that's cool. Yeah. Um, next we have the Axe of the Orcish Warlord. <laughs> Not Dorvish, Orcish. <laughs> this should be good. Pig, pig-faced Orcish? <laughs> Doesn't say. Uh. Plus one Axe gives the wielder plus two to their charisma when the Axe is on the character's person. Uh-huh. Only to orcs, or...? Doesn't say. Okay. <laughs> Our next one is the Wand of Accounting. Oh. <laughs> Can value the worth of items according to the market price of when the wand was created. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yes. oh yeah. We're going we're gonna to enforce that, yeah. <laughs> and count large inventories in an instant can be used to identify how many monsters are in an area. Only numbers, not names or types. Now that's handy. That and be- yet, yeah, it's useful, but not so useful. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, I know there's 20-somethings 
in these caves, but I don't know what. Yeah, could be, <laughs> could be could, cobalts. Could, could be, be bunnies. Yeah. Yeah. Could be white crying white dragons. I mean, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> white dragons that want to make you cry. Yeah. Then we have the bow of elven kind. Plus one bow can be fired into melee and will not damage friendly targets. Now that's although, cool. Although normal rules for firing into melee still apply. Oh, okay. I keep thinking, is it not like that? Uh, is it like that one guy in the movie Top Secret where he fires the guys are fighting a bunch of Nazis and he fires and kills only the Nazis? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I would probably have added a little to that. But, you know, again, it's a simple magic item. It's got a little Benny to it. Mm-hmm. This actually reminds me of some of the stuff out of the Judges Guild Wondrous Weapons books. I don't know if I have that or not. I think I have Although that. I think these, frankly, make more sense. Yes. <laughs> so those and Judges Guild stuff. Judges Guild, you want sense? You're not buying them for sense. You're buying it for random. Yes. <laughs> and we have one last one. And I'm probably going to utterly mangle the pronunciation of the name of this magic item. So I'd help you, but I think I'm going to have a lot of fun listening to you. So go ahead. So I apologize in advance, Montana. Drum roll, please. (laughs) We have the Yadsvarhammer. Very good. The a plus two warhammer that can change into either a battle axe or hand axe that returns to hand when thrown, has a strong dwarven personality, and only will be wielded by either a dwarf or a fighter with a 16 or plus strength. Huh. Wasn't I talking something a couple episodes back, back about a weapon that would become a random weapon whenever you drew it for combat? Yeah. That's almost like that. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. it. Although you know what it's probably going to be. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going like to be some kind of axe. So. It can change into. Yeah. So it sounds like you decide what it's going to be. You control the change. Yeah. Or you roll randomly. Yeah. I like the random idea myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to use them dice. <laughs> Make it a 12-sider. Yeah. D12. Yeah. <laughs> D12s don't get rolled enough. Yeah. What else does he say? Um, well, that's the last weapon. And he finishes by saying, also, go whip those kobolds that are checking your emails into shape. I sent this before, and it was never received. Long may you roll d20s. Every, every kobold was kung fu fighting. <laughs> Two hits were fast as lightning. <laughs> Sorry. A mage casted chain lightning. <laughs> It's a whole lot frightening. Frightening. <laughs> or that be frying. I don't know. This this podcast is getting frightening. <laughs> well, thanks for the email. Um, those are all really good ideas. Yes, they, they are. are. Uh, expected to be stolen from. Yeah. Well, at least Mike. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does remind me of. Uh, I don't know if you've. Recall a series by Fred Saberhagen called the the Books of Swords. I remember it. I remember seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. Back when they first came out, I tried importing. I 
made up D and D versions of them and put them in my campaign. And one of them's called Wound Healer, mm. and the sword only does cure wounds. It will not do damage to people. Uh huh. Okay. Including full. But you have to actually strike them with the sword. Yeah. To get healed. But it phases into them. I mean, it doesn't actually cause a wound. Yeah. Unless you're undead. That was pretty cool. But but that was fairly high-powered, whereas ones he was mentioning are, are, you know, relatively small-level stuff. That wand of accounting, I bet you could trade that to a dragon. Oh, yeah. I think that would be hilarious, especially using the rule of the worth of items according to the market price when the wand was created. Yeah. And the wand is hundreds of years old. It's like, oh, this is only worth 50 gold, you know. Now, it doesn't say it talks to you. It probably talks to you in your head, right? Yeah. I just, would assume so. Uh, this is, it's, it's, something's obviously worth like 500 gold. Ah, uh, 50 gold. Guy just said 500. It's a lot of I'm a couple hundred years old. You know, we got to take the depreciation. It's 5,000 copper. Nobody <laughs> used gold back then. We only used copper. Yeah, it's it's like two chickens and a duck. <laughs> That's best of all. It's all barter. Yeah, that'd be great. Everything he says is, just, oh, I would give you more than uh, two dogs for it. You know, two dogs and, and a pig. pig. And what? I think three camels. <laughs> yes. I think we found our favorite magic item. <laughs> And what? Anyway, thanks for the uh, sending them along. Thank and you. if anyone wants to send more in, that would be great. Thank you, Montana. You should really come on Skype sometime and get Vince to run some more Marvel. We'd love to see the Invisible Fist again. Yeah. And we hope to play with you next uh, North Texas RPG Con. Less than a year away. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, let's see. I got one here. It's, uh, oh, Devil Swine. Woohoo! It says... I'm really torn about the Watsy move to publish in some form, sort of electronic form the old rules and adventures of basic. It's like Attila the Hun stated when he was going to resurrect your loved ones that he killed off long ago. You want Grandpa back and are thrilled with the prospect, but it's all being said by that evil Attila. So what about the PDFs I already bought and used to be located in RPG now? Do I get them back? After all, Probably I did not. already play, pay for them, play for them. After all, I did already pay for them. I keep hoping for basic reprints like AD&D and 3.5, but I'm not holding my breath. What do you guys think about all this? And he follows up by, P.S., don't think I've forgotten the failure of Saber Die to recognize evil pig greatness. Plans are in motion at the Devil's Swine Alliance. Now, wait a minute. I, <laughs> I voted for that Okay, I just want to go on record saying, yeah, I voted for that one. I liked it, okay? And besides, if you check our new website, we have pig-faced orcs. Yeah. We do. So we have have more than covered that, I think. But as to his questions, I don't know. What do you all think? Um, Well, if I didn't have all the ones I want already... (laughs) I'd say, yeah, just make it, I mean, what I would love is to see them uh, reformat them in something that you can read in a Kindle, because reading a PDF in a Kindle is a real pain, Um, and my wife happens to have one, so... uh, A Kindle or a pain? (laughs) No, the Kindle, I'm the pain. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, 
other than that, it's like, you know, I don't care. What do you guys think? Liz? Well, I'm not really sure. I don't know an awful lot about how they're going to be made available. You know, are you going to have to be a part of their whatever it is that it's called where you have to pay a monthly subscription in order to have, you know, access to them? Or are you going to be able to buy them as PDFs, you know, just from the Watsi, you know, web store? You know, I'm, and I've also heard other people wondering, are these going to be using the same PDFs where some of them were pretty low quality because the scans weren't that good? Yeah, yeah, or are they going to no, be rescanning them and making them more legible? So I, I know too little about it to really say one way or the other where it, whether it's going to be a good idea or not. Well, I'm just I... going to have to wait and see. All I know, if they wanted to even be remotely profitable, they better clean those things up. Well, I, I kind of agree that until we know a little bit more, it's hard to say anything. But yeah. I always thought their yanking it was ridiculous to begin with, especially with the excuse of piracy. Yeah. Like I've said before, yeah, because nothing stops piracy better than taking something that you can legally buy and then making it illegal. Yeah. yeah. That, that fixes it. Well, the music industry still has yet to learn that. Mm, well. Yeah. On the other hand, Liz has had jobs in scanning, and she has worked with various illustrator programs, etc. It's not that hard to make a high-quality PDF of something. No. It's really not. No, no, no. So, <laughs> but on the... The kobolds are out again. No, that's all the crybabies who are waiting for the PDFs. Ah. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Or I, I, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, um, we will. We'll see how they do it. But, yeah, I mean, as far as them actually doing reprints of the basic stuff, mm -hmm. I mean, if they do, great, but. I agree. I kind of doubt they're ever going to. Yeah. At most, they might do the rule cyclopedia. Yeah. But even I, then, I, I doubt I hope, it. I hope, I hope. Well, anyway, thank you, Devil Swine, for that uh, email. Yeah. And yeah. why don't you read us the last one, Liz? There you go. All right. Our last email is from Keith. And Keith writes, I haven't been to your site in a few months since I can download the episodes directly from D20 Radio. Wow, you guys greatly improved your website. Not just the look has greatly improved, but so has the navigation. Great job. Love the show and keep up the good work. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, Thank Keith. Thank you very much. Thank you very I had, much. I had nothing to do with the you know, changing up of the website. That's probably all from our Vince. all for our yes, our, our yeah. former our former guy Vince. Who, our overlord, yes. Who still rains down upon us his smiles and his benevolence thoughts, his benevolence yes some reason that sounds dirty i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> but anyway thank yes. you thank you keith and we will keep up the good work yes and let's not forget the header done by da, da, da. Jim yeah the big, yeah the big face orcs jim wampler thank you who gives us great props on his website yeah marvin the mage rocks yeah anyway i think that's uh, i think the, the bag's empty yeah, that catches us up on emails. All right. 
Um, is it time to waltz down the road? Waltzing. Okay, so you're waltzing down that lonely old road. With Matilda and running from them devil swine boy. <laughs> yeah. Liz? I'm going down the road playing with my new wand of accounting. Oh, <laughs> trying to figure out what the worth is of that dog and two chickens over there. And uh, you, Mike? I am strolling, reading a book on 101 ways to make a white dragon cry. Okay. I guess uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Sure. Next, Till next time, guys. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Bye.